Welcome to the Soft Life with Sadie Baddies. Sadie Baddies is the antidote to mental health stigma, and this podcast is hosted by yours truly, Priscilla O. Adjman. We are a virtual sanctuary centering Black and multiracial people, and we prioritize the mental and emotional nourishment that is the foundation of collective healing in our communities. Thank you for being here. Welcome back to the Soft Life Baddies. Today is World Mental Health Day, and it is also Indigenous Peoples Day. And I just want to take a moment to thank and recognize all of the beautiful individuals that create this beautiful community. Thank you so much for being here and coming back week after week. Last week's episode with Dr. Chanel Ramsebic resonated with so many of you. And during our very candid conversation, we touched on the family dynamics of growing up in an immigrant household, dealing with imposter syndrome, generational healing, and of course, what softness means personally as a Black woman. For me, it was so good to have this dialogue because so much of our identity and communication style stems from our upbringing. So if you haven't had a chance to check out last week's episode, definitely give it a listen. We can't grow this podcast without you. So if you've already provided us with a review or rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, thank you so, so much. It really may seem like a small effort, but it truly does grow and support our community. Today's guest is Dr. Akuya. Botang, licensed psychotherapist, educator, and consultant. Dr. Kuya Botang is a sought-after mental health and relationship expert with over 14 years of experience in clinical practice and education. She specializes in an integrative approach to treating anxiety, trauma, relationship issues, and other emotional concerns. She has trained at multiple acute and outpatient facilities across the Tennessee Valley, including the North Alabama Regional State Hospital and the Homicide Survivors Recovery Program. After receiving a master's in clinical psychology from Alabama A&M University, she utilized her training to provide cognitive behavioral therapy as one of the primary adult therapists in an outpatient clinic. She also has experience as a psychological examiner, conducting intelligence and psychological testing for private practices. She is also the founder and CEO of Botang Psychotherapy and Consultation, where she partners with organizations in the integration of emotionally aware practices and initiatives. In the media, Dr. Botang has contributed to media outlets such as CNN, The Washington Post, Huffington Post, Black Enterprise, Refinery29, Philadelphia Inquirer, Slate Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, and more. Her genuine, empathetic voice adds to the growing culture of mental health awareness. Now, let's welcome Dr. Okuya Botang to The Soft Life. Thank you, Dr. Botang, for being here and joining us today. How are you? I am wonderful and excited to have this conversation. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much for for joining with us. Um, So today we really want to talk about your background, um, your your professional expertise, of course, as a a mental health therapist, um, but also speak to some of your specialties, which is first-generation therapy goers. So Let's dive right in. How uh, can you know? Can you describe your upbringing, or and some of the defining moments of your upbringing with us? I can sure do that. Um, I am a proud Ghanaian American woman, (laughs) (laughs) born to two Ghanaian West African parents. 
um, who migrated to this country and had big, big dreams for themselves and, and their children. Um, I was born and raised in California and um, growing up in California, um, you know, to two working parents that really um, just served wherever they could. And they made it a point to be uh, adamant that we served as well. And so yeah. we did that in our local church, we did that in our school, we did that in the community, <laughs> right? And so my upbringing were filled and just populated with defining moments of service, human to human contact, where we were able to make a difference in people's lives. Their everyday situation was a common place for us. And so it really did create this foundation uh, that I believe that I live within today that makes service a part of my identity and purpose mm. and being able to see and understand the need of another person and to prioritize mm. that. Wow, I love, thank you for sharing that. And as you know, I'm also Ghanaian American, so it feels amazing to have you here and to be in this space with you. I closely relate to you know some of the the kind of key moments that you shared, especially being a Ghanaian American growing up here. So thank you so much for sharing that. And can you share with us how you came um, to transition into the mental health field? Mm-hmm. Well, I think like many. Um, first gen people. <laughs> um, I had decided to go to school to be a doctor and mm -hmm. a medical doctor at fat and then that way and um, went to school pre-med did everything went through the whole program and realized that wasn't specifically what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be involved in the healing process for people, but I didn't know specifically what part of the healing process. It became clear to me towards the end of college that that was more fitted and best served in the area of psychology instead of medicine. And so I uh, made that quick transition, although it was really difficult. And I know that there possibly is someone that is listening right now that is in the valley of decision and at a crossroads between what you believe is expected of you from your mm -hmm. tradition, from parents, from the pressure of society or culture, and what you believe that you're on this planet to do. So mm -hmm. I had to make that transition and it was difficult to admit that I was not really best served to be a doctor. Um, mm -hmm. I have two older sisters that are doctors, so it made it mm -hmm. a little difficult coming up, bringing up the <laughs> rear. <laughs> um, oh, best decision I've ever made. Mm -hmm. Best decision I've ever made to really listen to my heart, to listen to what I feel like God really created me to do, mm -hmm. to help heal people's hearts. Wow, that is so powerful and impactful and similar to what I shared in the very first episode of this podcast of converting your fear into your purpose the fact that you were able to listen to your voice you know trust your intuition and follow through with what you knew would be your passion and you know we can see how many lives you've impacted just by the trajectory of your work, I'm sure both per personally and professionally. So, so happy to hear that you followed that voice and followed through. And speaking of that, you know, can you share some of the unspoken challenges of being a mental health professional um, today, especially in today's climate? You know, we're in uh, a still very much in a pandemic and still very much going through a lot of social human rights issues what are some of the challenges that you face being a mental health professional hmm. 
Well, there are professional and personal um, mm -hmm. challenges, I think, in this field. Some of the professional challenges are, is really, conti there continues to be a challenge with access to mental health for many of the people that need it most, um, people that are in marginalized groups or not having the advantages of other groups. Mm -hmm still need support and their uh, their path towards that support is just filled with barriers. And so that creates a challenge for me to be able to work with individuals that I want to and need mm -hmm. to. Um, and so that's a professional challenge. There's still a, a small amount of people of color within this field, right? That we are, we are yeah. you know, really doing our best to advocate and break down those barriers, but we still are few and um, mm -hmm. our people are great. And so sometimes mm -hmm. access to finding a, a person of color is really difficult. And so there are several challenges within the professional side of that. Personally, um, there are days where this job is hard, right? That you mm -hmm. sit in the midst of pain for hours mm -hmm. at times. And so the emotional weight of that, being a very compassion-filled person mm. can be really difficult. Um, yeah. And it requires a lifestyle that is populated with lots of care and support and understanding um, from the people in your personal life. Yes, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. It's definitely, you know, it's it's I'm sure it's never been an easy feel to be in but especially now with the limitations that so many of us have being home and being away from our loved ones still um i can imagine that it comes with a lot of challenges um and speaking to that what are can you describe some of the unique barriers that a first time therapy goer might have mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good question. Um, and that's a, a, coin, a term I coined some time ago because I really mm -hmm. recognized that there was this common thread among most of the people that I was seeing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the audience that I have on social media have never had someone in their family go to therapy, mm -hmm. right? Or their first generation, meaning their siblings and people and their cousins that are going to therapy. Right. Their predecessors have not. And so some of the unique barriers are just in, number one in education. What is therapy? How do I do it? How much does it cost? And where do I go? <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's really around the education around um, therapy, destigmatizing that is another barrier. Mm -hmm. Is it okay? Um, is it too lavish? Is this like for white people? Is this something mm. that we can actually do? Um, and so that can be a unique challenge to someone that hasn't had the language and culture that um, normalizes therapy. And then thirdly, there are there are several barriers among um the the work and therapeutic process of someone going through therapy for the first time to communicate that to family that may not understand it right, right. Um, right. so sometimes you may live in isolation or create a new tribe that understands what it feels like to set boundaries to be able to communicate in kindness and love, to be trying gentle parenting and not what your parents did, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's living in this new way that's emotionally yeah. aware and like highly thriving in the emotional space is just very different. And so it yeah. requires a new level of lifestyle and tribe that is unique to this population. Hmm. I think having that perspective is so helpful that, you know, that at the baseline, we are 
the first generation of, in a lot of our families, myself included, I was the first person in my family to go to therapy and it had a ripple effect. And, you know, I think at first we're so afraid to even like step out of this. Like I remember my first therapy session, I was really embarrassed to go and I was, you know, judging myself. And I had a lot of that self-stigma, um, you know, that impacted me taking on my first session, even though it ended up being one of the most pivotal moments of my life, I felt so, so much shame because there's also this guilt of my parents had it worse than me. Why am I here? You know, like I, I have some, so much more access. I have so much more convenience than they did. Why am I here? Why am I complaining? Why am I depressed? Why am I anxious? All of these questions that we ask and, you know, there are different forms of stigma. You know, there's that self-stigma I just kind of described, but there's also that cultural stigma as well. And I would love for you to speak to how cultural stigma specifically plays a role in how we go about our ongoing healing journeys. Mm, it's everything. Mm -hmm. Are drenched in culture. We yeah. create, we form our identities in culture we, I, uh, you know, cultivate purpose in culture. And so if there are barriers or stigmas or a framework of how we should see our therapeutic journey or our healing journey, it is really bound to our culture, right? Mm. And it is what's required is creating a new culture. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do. The right. idea that, um, you know, you speaking your truth could be mm -hmm. a stigma um, you um accessing um medications psychotropic medications mm -hmm. is stigmatized, right and so you're really having to overcome hurdles as you are caring for yourself and seeking healing that create mm -hmm. a layer of of um psychological material that you have to go through each step so right of the way, the things that are helpful for you could also be a process of undoing that's required mm -hmm. in order to heal, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's really, um, that's why I'm such a big like advocate for self-compassion, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. People may not understand that you are rewriting DNA. Mm. The, right. labor, the labor that's required to change you know, mental pathways that have been, that have lived lives and generations before is very difficult. Yeah. Very difficult. And so we must have compassion that it doesn't come natural, that your inner critic is drenched in culture. And so might be fighting against you internally. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet there is hope. There are, there are, um, many people that are doing it right now it's happening for you even if you don't feel it mm -hmm. changing the course of your life right now and busting through all that stigma which is a barrier that you have to go through right i i, I really i've seen that firsthand like as you mentioned the the weight of having to care for yourself and i think especially as black women and black people in general we feel that yes. exponentially we feel that weight of you know being maybe the caregiver in our in our families or our communities being the person that has to take on all of that weight yes. by ourselves or feeling under resourced 
in the midst of that. So it's challenging. And um, I, I appreciate you shedding light on that because I think a lot of us beat ourselves up for not having everything together or having this misconception that healing is a linear process when it is anything but. Um, so just affirming that, you know, this process is going to take a while. However, knowing that you're not alone and you have that support um, is, is everything. And I think a lot of people resonate with that, with that sentiment. Um, and since so many people, and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to the podcast are first time therapy goers or the first people in their family to go to therapy, what advice would you share with someone who is seeking out mental health resources, but just does not know where to start, doesn't know how to access, is uncomfortable with the landscape of mental health resources? What advice or input would you share with them? Sure. Uh, the first thing I, I tell people is that you can start your therapeutic journey without a therapist. And I know that is really mm. challenging and like surprising to hear from a therapist, but really changing the frequency of your everyday um, environment is a start of a therapeutic journey. Mm -hmm. Who are, Who's in your feed? Follow three or four therapists on social media right now. Mm -hmm. Begin to change the frequency of the people that are in your life right? Are there people that are in your life that talk about therapy or that have gone to therapy? Start asking them questions. Start having conversations right. about their therapeutic journey and how it has been in order to create a, a decrease in the fear, the um, um, feeling that it's unapproachable or it's too large or it's too grand for you. We have to normalize it in our everyday life and begin mm -hmm. to change the channel of moving mm. from not knowing about this being a part of our life to it being a part of our life, right? Mm -hmm. So change that. And then secondly, um, reach out and begin to have conversations with therapists of color, right? Mm -hmm. So that looks like going on psychology today. That looks on looks like going on therapy for black girls. It could be black men mm -hmm. heal. It could be Ayana therapy or dark beauty mm -hmm. or love land and start setting up consultations 15, 20 minute conversations with individuals that are therapists, letting them know, I've never done this before. I would love to hear about how do I start and how mm -hmm. you could help me. Mm. We will take you where you need to go and mm -hmm. how to start the process. If you just do the work of getting yourself in the room, on the phone, into yeah. the rooms that you can start with. Yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Do you find that, um, you know, is that one of the biggest hurdles that you deal with when taking on first-time first, first -time therapy goes, just that initial fear of, I don't even know where to start and I feel lost and I'm overwhelmed. Is that something that you in, encounter frequently? Yes. That is the biggest hurdle. There's actually something called in, in, in psychology that we talk about where a person actually makes the phone call and sets up an appointment for therapy. And then there's a psychological um, thing that happens where they actually start to get better without mm. having a conversation yet. <laughs> right? Wow. Wow. There's something happens to us emotionally when we are pursuing help, even if we haven't even started the process of receiving it. We know mm -hmm. it's on the way. And so the yes. hurdle that you need to get over is to just make the phone call. Mm. Yeah. Make the phone call. 
Start mm -hmm. the process of therapy is so organic that once you just place yourself in the area where healing can happen, it's as if your spirit and soul knows what to do. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's almost that ancestral knowledge as well, you know, just being like you said, being in the space of healing, being in the atmosphere of healing, and it becomes less and less mechanical and yeah. more intuitive that yeah. your mind, body, and soul start to collaborate and yeah. realize like, hey, I'm, I'm actually, I'm taking the steps that I need to, to be in a safer place, to be in a more um, uplifting or positive environment. And I, I don't, I don't think we acknowledge that enough. I think sometimes we are just so focused on, all right, how am I going to find a therapist? How am I going to do this? How am I going to pay for it? And those are some real challenges of seeking mental health care. However, there's also the beauty of your body and your mind intuitively knowing that you need help and leading yourself to those resources, mm -hmm. which is, it's not easy, but it's very rewarding at the end of the day. Yes, it is. And all of the questions that you need answered are really in the location that you are taking yourself to, right? So those financial resources yeah. would be something that you would hear about in a consultation or that you would see as you follow those three psychologists that would be able to support you on their pages. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I know we've spoken a lot about the challenges of being a mental health professional, but what would you say are some of the most rewarding aspects of it? Mm, so many rewards. <laughs> um, I find it and count it a privilege mm -hmm. and an honor to be a witness to life transformation. Mm. People are changing the course of their life and generations to come. And I get to be a witness of that every single day. Yes. It is the most rewarding thing. I believe on the planet to see a human come into the highest form of themselves. Mm -hmm. And so being a mental health professional, those moments where you have the aha moments or you have um, uh, something's clicking or there's a release of pain that has been existing for decades, right? Mm. There's greater, there's nothing more rewarding than that. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. I can imagine, you know, being the, being the, the, the vessel that does that because you are, you are the vessel that allows people to process their trauma, process their healing. And that, I think that's also why it's so important to have a good relationship with your therapist. Um, you know, just, of course you want to feel comfortable, safe. You want to be able to trust them, but it's really got to be someone that you're like, I'm trusting you with my whole life, like my deepest, darkest secrets, you know, about my relationship drama, family drama, all of it. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that when you do find the right match, it's beautiful because then you can really start to do, you can really start to do the work that is needed to unpack all of the years of, you know, holding it inside. If you are someone that's had to do that for a while, um, which a lot of us have, unfortunately, a lot of us have been carrying these stories and this pain for so long and with nowhere to just lighten the load and 
you know, again, I just want to thank you for being one of those very unique people um, that is doing that work. It's it's instrumental to our collective healing. So mm -hmm. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I want to talk more about, you know, kind of the the process of of you being in this this mental health space and being a mental health professional and helping so many people what inspired you you know from childhood what what would you say to the 5 year old version of you and uh the 18 year old version of you maybe when you were in school or studying for for this trajectory that you have now and i would also love to know what would you tell the future the future you about the path that you're on right now. <laughs> Beautiful, so layered. Yes, <laughs> mm. you can take your time. Yeah. My five-year-old self, I would um, tell her that she's magical. Oh. And that she's whimsical and and playful and continue to create and play and soar and it's okay for you to be your full light you know yeah and I would just really come around her and tell her that I think at 18 um you know I would definitely tell her your power, you don't have to fear your power. Mm. Don't fear your power. Your power is what leads you to your destiny. Mm. And be gentle with yourself. Be gentle and compassionate. Mm. As you are holding this gift as you are also learning how to be the gift <laughs> right yeah um, and it's a powerful thing to experience and not know what to do with right mm. my future self um girl you arrived <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, we love that. it. Yes, <laughs> yes, girl, yes. <laughs> I just feel like all that energy and just, you know, just snaps and just, mm. it's the vibration of go higher, soar more, you know, do your yes. I see you, I affirm you, just that, that girl chat, just vibe and energy of yes. You know, I yes. give my future self. I don't believe she needs anything other. Uh, she has everything that she needs. Wow. Yeah. That is beautiful. Oh, I got chills. I'm like, just, I love, I love speaking to those versions of yourself. I do, I do this a lot myself with journaling. I well, especially if I really want to focus on inner child healing, or I'm feeling some wounds that are reopening, and especially right now, this Mercury retrograde, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling it. <laughs> Things that I thought I was way over kind of resurfacing, but I always, I use this time to do a lot of reflection, and um, I use that as a practice. I love 
being able to speak to the inner child, to speak to the inner teen that might have a lot of resentment and inner rage, you know, shame or fear, insecurity, and then also looking towards your higher self for that guidance and, you know, the, the version of you that's not here yet, but you're striving towards. I think looking at our growth in these time frames can really help us to feel more appreciative of the progress that we've made. I think sometimes when we get wrapped up in just the healing, the healing, the healing part, which is important, but we don't look at what we've already accomplished, mm -hmm. it can make us just be so hard on ourselves and that that kind of defeats the purpose of, of doing the work, right? If you're just going to continue to beat yourself up and and build up um you know resentment towards decisions that you didn't make or instances that you wanted to change but maybe didn't have the strength or the wisdom or the resources to to change at the time i think mm -hmm. acknowledging your growth is so important so i really appreciate you speaking to that um mm -hmm. it's huge it's huge and to hear Someone like yourself that has done the work and is doing the work, acknowledge that is, is so affirming. Yes. You, you have no idea, you know, and this is, this is typically what I tell people, especially women that I work with, you have no idea you do. And then you don't, you have no idea yeah. what psychological and emotional labor it was for you to go through what you went through at five mm. and what you went through at 18. Mm. And so the greatest form, the highest form and highest act that we can give our, our past selves is gratitude. Mm. Gratitude yes. for the pain that was endured, gratitude for the ways that they have held together your life. Mm -hmm in the midst of not knowing how to do that, not having language or a model. Right. And so that gratitude, instead of criticism, judgment, you know, it's yeah. really just a more beautiful and useful act to give your former self. Mm, thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I would love to also know what, some of your grounding practices are um i i can assume or i can you know kind of imagine that doing the type of work you do takes quite a bit of energy spiritually emotionally mentally physically and i would love to know what some of those grounding practices are that you do on a regular basis to not feel depleted because you are giving so much um to so many people so mm -hmm. would love to know you know what those grounding practices are for you mm -hmm. some of that is really a settling down as i talk to people settling down into yourself um through breath work mm -hmm. right? and so sometimes it can be as i'm listening to something i might mm -hmm right? Settling down, yeah. right? Letting yourself release, whether it be expectation, whether it be, um, you know, assumptions or speculation, release in order to receive what is mm -hmm. to be, right? And so sometimes, again, that's breath work. 
that is an actual settling down of the physical self. And so relaxing muscle muscles, you know, it could be um, really kind of feeling the tension in every part of your body and then releasing it. Right. Mm. All these things are grounding because your, your body is really one being right. And so right. emotional grounding takes its cue from psychological and physiological grounding, right? So that's why when we say you can ground through breath, it's really the neurochemistry in your body responds to breath patterns, mm. right? And so there's a way of breathing that settles you down. So I use breath work. Um, another grounding um, technique for me is really, um, um, I, I can use different ways, ways to kind of, talk about it, but it is kind of recentering. Let's call it a recentering. I grab a book. If mm -hmm. I'm kind of all over the place, I'm a little scattered. <laughs> I grab a book and I remember what is my intention? One word. Yeah. What's my intention in this moment for the rest of the day, for the next hour, for this next moment in this situation, in this conversation, intention, recentering around my intention is a grounding practice for me. Mm -hmm. It helps me to reorient and quiet all of the chatter in order to focus. Hmm. So that's something that I do that's super grounding for me. Um, letting go physiologically can be grounding. So that comes in things like yoga, working out, um, changing the chemistry in my body and mm -hmm. um, helping me to literally get back to the basics, which is a grounding practice getting back to the basics, which is breathing, eating, sleeping. Yes. <laughs> Literally. Yes. Yep. Yep. Those are amazing. I, I love how each of them play to both like the physical, but also the mental, the spiritual aspects of, of your body being, like you said, a one being and kind of just recentering, re- re-collaborating re with yourself. Um, definitely we will be utilizing some of those, those practices. <laughs> um, and last but not least, I would love to know, you know, what softness means to you as a black woman? Hmm. That makes me emotional to think about that <laughs> because it is countercultural. And yes. sometimes even antithetical mm. that we've learned about who we are. The word soft does not typically correspond, right? And yeah. so softness really looks like acceptance of the fragility or fragility and the frailty of human life that is you, mm. the acceptance of it really hopefully is paired with a deep level of radical compassion and love that is fierce, but gentle. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> that, yeah. Yes, that is so, that resonates deeply. Thank you so much for sharing. 
um, and just for shedding so much light and insight on your journey, on our journeys. Uh, To end this beautiful conversation, we're going to do a quick rapid fire question and it's very off the fly. It's whatever comes to mind first. Okay. Um, So first question, (laughs) self-care edition, massage or nail appointment? Massage. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) Same, same here, same here. Um, Next question, book or podcast? book if you have to choose a book what's what book would you choose oh that now that I I don't know if I can do that (laughs) that's a very difficult one um oh yeah I don't know if I could do that I mean all good I I feel like books really the, the reason why I chose a book is because you create you create the life of the characters in the book your imagination leads with a book right that's very true mm-hmm. very true okay uh yoga or gym session gym gym okay um and last but not least night owl or early bird night owl <laughs> right i am so trying to become a early bird because there's so many like so many benefits to it I'm a night owl. I can't even. (laughs) (laughs) And one more question because I have to pay homage to our Ghanaian culture. Jalaf or fufu? Oh, come on. Jalaf. What what, 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 was that a question? I don't even. even, And I I will tell you, and I'm going to get some heat on this. But obviously, obviously we, we make the best jollof. That's no question, but that's not a question. My mom has <laughs> some of the best jollof on the planet. It's not a game. And I know she's my mother, but even my friends say your mom's got they verify, verify. <laughs> this is the best <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Boateng. If you can share where we can find you, where we can stay connected with you, tell us how we can find you. Of course, on inst- on an- anything that you kind of find me on, I am a Kwee K. Boateng, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, my website, akweakwatson.com. And um, hopefully, you know, reach out to me. Let me know how things are going for you. I'd love to hear about stories of rewards of therapy and how things are going well. So, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. We truly appreciate you. My pleasure. To stay connected, join Sadie Baddies on Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and more, and sign up for our monthly newsletter on sadiebaddies.com to stay in the loop. Sending you hella love and stay soft, baddie.